0: Pleasure to meet you, Frederick. Hi, uh, Marcia. Hi. Uh,
1: so it, it would be in French.
0: That's uh, what I do too, right? What you hear coming out of my mouth, you tell yourself <laughs> that, that is French, <laughs> and we're just going to confuse the heck out of our viewers. Thank you for uh, for joining us for sure, Frederick. So we Thank haven't you. had the, uh, the the pleasure to meet in person. Was fortunate to know and work alongside. Uh, Gerard Nouveau, covering the WEC for many years, uh, spent about a decade traveling each year to Le Mans, one of my favorite parts of my career, Frederick, So before we start with the state of the World Endurance Championship, LMEM, and all of the deeper technical or uh, process side, let's start with you. Uh, Gerard. big personality. If there was a camera nearby, he was going towards the camera, a, a person with a big personality, always trying to bring himself in the sport to the public. At least for what I've observed, you have taken a, a more reserved role. You're wanting to bring the health of the series forward instead of yourself being always on television. Tell us about your background for those who might not know about you and where you come from, because that's an important part of what led you. To uh, yeah. pick up the baton from uh, Gerard, yeah. I'm I'm going to try to
1: make let's say a quick setup of my my career. I studied um, in the motorsport industry 20 years ago. At the time, I was uh, I was working for Eurosport, the television network in Europe, and we just launched uh, Eurosport Events. And Eurosport Events in 2000 was in charge of the organization of the super racing weekend Uh, inside the super racing weekend we we used to to have the fia uh, gt and the etcc which was before the world endurance twin car and also all the support races organized by Renault sport so i did that during almost uh, five years until 2004 and then i switched to a completely different world the world of, let's say, off-road racing. I was the deputy
0: CEO of the Dakar Rally during eight years. So your background seems perfect for what you're doing now. And I love that because if you think about where the WEC, European Le Mans series, Asian Le Mans series, all the places that they participate, it would seem to be a perfect fit for your background, Frederick, knowing that whether it is uh africa safari whether it is all the other things that you mentioned it seems like the diversity of your background is a perfect blend for international endurance racing is that what attracted you to this position
1: yeah i think that uh, you're right i mean the the let's say that the, the international side of, of the job is very important and uh, i can um i know one thing that from my background i mean that i travel a lot i met different people, different cultures, and that helped me a lot to, to organize the WEC, of course. Um, in 2011, uh, I decided to left uh, a more sport organization mean, the owner of the Rally, and I co-create my my own uh, event. The name is the Silk Rally, in France, the La Rue de la Soie. It was from uh, Moscow to Beijing. So I can tell you that, yes, definitely, I'm used to work with different types of culture. I mean. Americans, Russians, Chinese, French, Europeans, almost
0: everybody. Boy, those are some very different personalities uh, to deal with there, Frederick. Before we start speaking about future, let's talk about what we just concluded with the FIA World Endurance Championship season, launching the new hypercar class and formula. Interesting mix there with Toyota continuing to represent the pinnacle of technology uh, with their championship winning prototype. Bit of grandfathering, of course, bringing some of the popular LMP1 cars back, at least in this debut season. Mm -hmm. Terrific GT competition throughout the season. How do you feel about this 2021 year you have put to bed in terms of introducing new things, the impact, maybe your thoughts on on Hypercar uh, to debut? and some of the consistent classes you've had that performed, I would hope, as expected.
1: Well, so you know that the 2021 season was the first uh, season that we welcomed the hypercar car category. Um, it was indeed with two teams, Toyota and uh So it was really fantastic for the fans to, to see their those cars for, for the first time. Um, very honestly i was very impressed by i mean by the level of the teams and and the technology you can find inside the the cars i mean toyota is still at top level of course and uh, i think we'll talk about this later but they will have a lot of let's say um, competitors in the future so the maybe less comfort i would say for them uh glickenhaus was not bad really i mean they they did some really impressive results at Le Mans, 24 hours of Le Mans. Um, and we, we also had a fantastic battle in the P2 category, which is, let's say, the second step of, of the championship. It was very close um, yeah. between the competitors. And in the GT cars, I mean, the battle was really until the end between Ferrari and Porsche. Uh, so it was it was an exciting season. I mean, we used to say that, um, 21 and maybe 22 is kind of transition period. But I don't like to say that. I mean, that we, I, I feel that we offered the fund some food, some sport, and uh, some action. So it was
0: good. Yes, very good. Just finished speaking with Michael Andretti, who runs seven different motor racing teams. One of the topics that we discussed here in America was how COVID 19 affected his program in 2020, and some of the business challenges it posed. Would be interested, Frederic, to hear. And I know that, again, you've, you've taken this leadership role coming into 2021. But you had to have felt the effects as an international series, one that I would don't know if easier is how I would put it. But staying in America to compete in IndyCar, very different than crossing every border in the world, it seems. You're a flying championship where you Uh, descend upon many regions or drive across big borders. Tell us about the effects of COVID-19 coming into 2021. Did you feel that it had a adverse effect? Did you feel like your teams uh, in the paddock, also your managerial team managed it well? Uh, Is it behind you?
1: That's a very interesting question. And, And this is something we like to share with other Organizers or federation, because of course we have been affected by by the the COVID uh, at the beginning of the season. We had to um, cancel Sebring, for example. So we decided at the last minute to not go to the US, which was which was a drama for us because I mean it was very exciting for the teams, for the fans, for for us. So I think that one of the key, uh, if you do not want to let's say, if you want to survive. And, and because the most important was to organize the same amount of races, the same amount of rounds during the season, that was the most important thing. And I would say that for this season, let's forget the fact that we are world championship, and we have to accept that we have to replace the race mainly in Europe, and we finish the season in the Middle East. You know that in, in Bahrain. So of course, I, I just, I just want to. Congratulate again uh, the organization team because I, I think that they have a capacity to react to this kind of situation, which is fantastic. I mean that in two weeks, I mean we took the decision to not go to Sebring because it was impossible because of the tra- um, travel restrictions. Sorry, and then we organized a race in in Portugal in Portimao. So, I mean that we 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 must have this this capacity to react quickly. As, as a promoter, as an organizer, we cannot say to the teams, "Sorry, we, we have to cancel the race. We can say that, but we have to replace by another one. It was very important for us to do that decision. At the end, at the end, I think we, we took the right decisions because we delivered six races. It was the plan to do that. We move Le Mans to an, to an unusual date at the end yes. of August. But that permitted us to welcome 50,000 fans instead of course 250,000, but it was better than nothing. So once again, in this very strange world, we change our our way to work. I mean, that we cannot think like we we were thinking in the past. Every day when we wake up, when we arrive at the office, we have to think that maybe at the end of the day, it will be a different story. So we must be capable to change and to react very quickly. And thanks to my experience in the Dakar Valley, because believe me, I was used to to organize things in, in kind of crisis
0: situation. Let's start to get into some specifics, Frederick. You mentioned Super Sebring. The last time that I was able to see the WC compete in person was indeed 2019 in Florida. How are plans coming along for returning to America next year for Super Sebring to happen as it's meant to be a giant celebration of endurance competition with IMSA at really the home of endurance racing here at Sebring? How is that coming along? Are there any new challenges or ongoing challenges logistically or otherwise you foresee to uh, to slow things at all? No, at the moment, I would say that we we have to
1: be very positive. I do not see any red lights. We are just a little bit worried with the new variants, you know, that we we had about the last few days, but normally to be okay. So we should start the season in Sebring for the Super Sebring mid-March, which will be fantastic. We love to go there, we love to work with the Ipsa, and uh, I take the opportunity to say hello to John Donan, and all the teams. Um, I know it will speak after or maybe before, I don't know. But uh, once again, this is a very important moment of the season. And I, I, no, I, at the moment, once again, we, we, we do not think to not go. Um, we'll go and we'll have to take the final decisions uh, beginning of, let's say,
0: uh, February maximum. But right now, it's quite okay. Awesome. I'm going to get my travel booked as soon as we're done here. Frederick, ask a few more US related questions before we move on to some uh, European or international related questions to LMEM, the WEC, et cetera. Collaboration with IMSA, uh, renewal and extension of this agreement came down in August. Can you tell me about this relationship as uh, someone coming in to continue leading the WEC recently getting to meet and know You mentioned John Doonan, could be Jim France, Ed Bennett, the leadership there. Can you tell me about how this relationship is going between your organizations and also on a personal front with you getting to know these crazy Americans?
1: (laughs) Now, you know, I mean, the relationship we have with IMSA is just um, exceptional. it, It is based on a mutual understanding, trust. And, and, and we, we all focus on only one goal. We want to make this sport uh, very strong. And we try to, um, to go together in the same, you know, the same direction all the time. And what we uh, achieve uh, clearly with um, uh, the convergence, you know, with the regulation, with the IPOCA, with the LMDH, the LMH, is something which is, really a big step for, for sport car and road racing because maybe for the first time I and mean, one car manufacturer will be able to race on both sides of the, the Atlantic. So this is really great news and once again I thank you very much Jim, Ed, John. I mean that it's a pleasure to work with them really. I'm very sincere. Uh, I, I do not remember that in my career, no, I mean it, it's 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 something which is um very once again it's all about trust i
0: cannot say more than this very interesting present and future frederick if we look at the two organizations we have imsa that has said we love gt le mans known as gte pro GTE M, and the wec we love this class this formula but we don't have the numbers to sustain it. So we're going to modify our approach, add a class based on GT3 racing, but for factories or independents who want to go compete against factories with GTD Pro. Can you speak a little bit about GT strategy? Because we know at Le Mans, there was a mention that we're going to evaluate. We're not committing to any specific timeline, but do you think there is a spune?
1: Uh, yeah, that's something important. Uh, I, um, uh, I can remind what we officially said during 24 hours of, of Le Mans, and after is that, um, for 2024, it will be the end of the GTE, and we will switch to, a, let's say, new uh, GT regulation, which will be based on the GT3 regulation. So it's clear that uh, we are going to do this. Uh, we are uh, still thinking about uh, having something which will be a little bit different from the GT3. It could be the GT3 Le Mans, something like this, where we are currently working on this. And uh, one thing is also 100% sure is that uh, after 2000, I mean, for 2024, we'll have only GT3 poor arm, not poor, this is over. We want
0: some poor arm category G. GT. Interesting. And where I think this holds so much interest, Frederick, for certainly IMSA teams, but maybe WAC, EMS as well, is we know that currently we had some alignment where IMSA teams could take their cars that complied with ACO, FIWC rules and go to Le Mans We know that when we get to 2023, we will have the launch of LMDH to go with LMH, your hypercars. So there will be that ability for cars to go back and forth across the Atlantic, compete in each other's championship. Yeah. Are you working with IMSA on how that might be possible on the GT front? As you mentioned, 2024, is this an active topic of discussion because I'm sure current GTD Entrance and upcoming GTD Pro entrance would love to know that aha 24 Hours of Le Mans or wherever else could be possible as well. Now it's
1: clear that we, we, we are working very hard with them at the moment. Unfortunately, I cannot tell you more than this at the moment. But this is a very serious topic, and and once again we we'll do everything which is possible I mean, for the sport and for the fans. So, but it's clear that. Anyway, the GT category will remain a very strong one and very impressive for, for everybody. Let's talk you know, about we, the. Uh, know, we, expect, we expect to have in 2023 uh, not less than seven car manufacturers in hyper cars. So at the moment, let's say that we have to focus on hyper car and GT, and <laughs> it's, it's a tough work. Hmm.
0: Let's talk about calendar, Frederick. So, yes. looking at 2022, could say that it's another short ish calendar, not as many races as we've seen in the past. Yes, do you foresee that changing any time in future calendars? Is there a number you'd like to get up to at some point, eight, nine, whatever the number might be, but do you foresee an expansion of the calendar back to what we had not so long ago? Yeah,
1: and thank you for asking because um, uh, we Strongly believe that it, it was the right decision to maintain six rounds for the next season, for for obvious reasons. I mean that um, we, we still have to to, to manage this, um, I mean COVID situation, um, and uh, that affects I mean the budget of everybody and especially the the, the budget of the teams. So um, once again. Uh, we prefer to do something which is, let's say, safe in terms of organization. Mm. Instead, I mean, doing, saying that we are going to do seven, eight, nine rounds and then cancel some some events. So we wanted to stay reasonable, I mean close to the reality, economic reality, uh, and it was really appreciated by, by the teams. But you're right, uh, for 2023, we should increase by one race and 2024 by two. So. Anyway, as we race six to eight to 24 hours, I mean, the WEC has no intention to have 12 12 or 15 races a year. It's not possible. So I would say that eight, maybe nine as maximum is is the right format.
0: Interesting. WEC has been strong in the, the position, Frederick, of an app an app that you can view races through, timing and scoring. Over the years, there have been levels, right? There's been opportunity for free aspects to the app. Some things you can see, but others you need to pay for. Look at Formula One, for example. They have grown a lot recently, especially here in America, many new fans. They've done a a favorable deal with one of our biggest sport networks, ESPN. Uh, almost giving away their content in order to grow their, their base. Curious, as you look to whether it's America or any other region, and this powerful app that you have to bring your series uh, to folks, phones, tablets, or otherwise, do you ever see going away from the pay aspect so that anyone can get it any time? Is there a value to that for the, the business, for the sponsors and manufacturers, or is there still a commercial side where the costs are serious and you need to pay for that through charging. Curious your philosophy.
1: I mean, that we strong, uh, I mean, the app is something which is very important to us because that gives the possibility for different fans all over the world for the race in life um, to see some fantastic onboard uh, cameras also. So of course, we, we, we believe that this is something which is very important and we are going to uh, invest I mean, I would say a lot of money, I mean, to to have a very strong app in the future, different one. Uh, But um, once again, I I, I think that, especially the TV rights market is changing a lot at the moment. And um, uh, this is uh, this is a strategy we we are working on uh, right now. I mean, the uh, digital is is, is more and more important for us. And uh, but we have to manage that, uh, I would say, with, with permanently with the TV rights. We cannot do what we want. Uh, we have to respect the, the, the contract we have signed with some very important partner. I'm yeah. thinking about Discovery, Eurosport, or something like this. So it's, it's not so easy work, easy work, but it's clear that our strategy is to go more and more on the digital and to keep some very strong partner for, let's say, television. And we know that all format, I mean, the format of sport car and endurance racing is not the perfect one for television. It's much more adapted for, 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 for an app, for example. You can go, you can exit, you can choose what you want to see. But on television, you cannot broadcast six, eight, or 24 hours of live. It's not possible at the moment. So digital is important. But uh, once again, um, we do not have to forget that we still have some very important contracts in terms of TV broadcast. And and, and so we have to work all together to to deliver something which is good for the fans.
0: Endurance racing is really the only form of motorsport, Frederick, where the fans also have to endure, they go to the grocery (laughs) store before a major event, buy their drinks and food to be prepared for 4 6 yeah, 10 12 cool. 24 hours so that's also something else we should uh, we should be watching uh, speaking of watching every series motor racing series in the world that is not formula 1 has been asking itself how do we come up with our version of netflix's drive to survive that's been a very powerful promotional tool for formula 1 I hear it here in America, again, IMSA, IndyCar, everybody wants their own to make the world love their racing series. Where does the fiWc fit into this? Will we see many new cameras on pit lane uh, next season putting together a documentary? Is this a, a desire for you as well or something your organization is working on trying to make happen? Right. It's more than a desire I mean, that we... Really... Unfortunately, I would like to,
1: to announce something, but I cannot, uh, but we, that's, of course, yes, we are, we are working some, with some very big players, and uh, we should announce something very, yeah, definitely. I love it. We, we believe in, and uh, I think that from the next season, you will start to see, as you said, a lot of reporters, cameras, almost everywhere.
0: Got about five. Don't forget
1: that in 2023 it will be the centenary of Le Mans.
0: So yes, celebrate. <laughs> yes, I need to start walking to uh, to make sure that I get there in time for the race. Got about five minutes left, uh, Frederick. So, we throw in a few deeper questions. Been reading and hearing a little bit about some teams getting manufacturers trying to get ready for their upcoming hypercar debuts at whatever point in time they'll be ready a uh, national manufacturer, very important one in terms of history at Le Mans, Peugeot. What can you tell us? What do you know about when we might see them? And again, I'm not asking you to break their news, but there have been questions. Will they be ready for Le Mans next year or later? Can you give us any insights about that? Because I have to believe many folks want to cheer for the lion returning to Le Mans. Um, yeah, so
1: about Peugeot, I mean that uh, they, they they still I mean, have, have the goal to to start the season in a, in a Spa and to be ready for twenty four hours of Le Mans. So we should see them uh, beginning of May. Um, of course, um, I cannot. I mean, for me, that's difficult to give you more information than this. This is the goal. Uh, they, I know that they they will. Uh, run some private tests at the end of the year, so they should be ready. And we, we cross our fingers. I mean, we hope they, they,
2: they
0: will be there for the, for to start the season with us, of course, yeah. Let's stay with that for just a moment, because I would have to imagine from your position and many of those that, that you work with and your colleagues, you want nothing more than today to be able to say and start promoting, make posters and, and social media posts that Peugeot will be at Le Mans, this manufacturing, that would certainly help from a promotional standpoint. How do you manage the fact that you might not be able to do all of that, whether it's now or include some manufacturers in the buildup to the next season because they still have to get their work done on their own timeline. It'd be great for you to say, come see them, but how do you manage not always being able to do that, knowing that it might help, but you can't say yes if they haven't said yes one hundred percent
1: that's very funny. I was in the meeting this morning and uh, uh, our communication team presented us a, a new poster you know and uh, I can tell you that in one of those posters that was uh, there was the Peugeot. Mm-hmm. on you know, it and I was thinking. Ah, I hope they will not be late. <laughs> of course. Of course, it's it's sometimes it could be a risky game, but I mean, this is motorsport. I do not have the feeling that we are, I mean, we are in, you know, cheating with our fans. I mean, that everybody can read that they announced that they will be there. And of course, if they miss Le Mans or something like this, that it's for obvious reasons. They have to be ready. So we have to accept that. So it's a part of the game. We have to accept that.
0: There must be a beautiful... 908 HDI FAP, uh, 2009 Le Mans winning car sitting in the museum, we can fire up and race. Just let us know. You just wink. You don't have to say it, but just wink if we'll let that happen if we don't get the brand new uh, 9x8. Let me ask one more question, uh, Frederic, before we uh, we say farewell. So I mentioned some crazy Americans running IMSA, and I say that jokingly. You do have one of the I don't know if I'd say crazy, but biggest personalities of any team owner, that being Jim Glickenhaus, being part yeah. of the WEC, a beautiful looking car. I would say far exceeded expectations for their debut season with the uh, the 007. Not a full time uh, entry though. What can you tell us about hopefully getting to see them full time next season with at least one car? And how much I I'll say the word fun. Is it dealing with a very passionate man like Jim Clickenhouse? Sometimes
1: <laughs> uh, Jim has made an announcement two weeks ago that he will participate with at least one car for the whole season of the WSC season, all, all the races, which is very good. I mean that we, we expected to to, to to hear that. Uh, we had a long talk with Jim together, and uh, I said to him that uh, I have very big respect for what he has achieved. I mean. Uh, I mean is new, and uh, I mean the results were were super good. I mean the media, I mean the fans, they love they love this team. And uh, he's the
0: best. He's the best, and they're the best.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And 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 once again, I want to repeat that we we have a lot of respect for what he has achieved uh, the last season. Um, saying that, I also said to Jim that um, to be fantastic for everybody to participate. In the world season. I mean that it's also a question of, I, I would not say respect for the other competitors, but uh, I mean we are running an FIA World Championship, we have to respect some regulations, and Jim understood that very well. And then, you know, after very short discussions, in two days, he took his decision and made the announcement that he will participate for all the rounds, and all the rounds, all the season. So, Really, thanks for that, and and uh, once again, I mean, the team is fantastic. Jim is an incredible uh, character. I mean, he's he really, I mean, it's so nice to have him on the paddock, and uh, and um, and for, for the for the WEC and for the 24 Hours of Le Mans. I, I
0: mean, it, this is great, really. Frederick, thank you so much for taking some time here at the ePart training, Thank you much. Thank you so much. Race Industry Week 2021.
2: The concept for EPAR trade is basically, in my opinion, there's a big hole in the internet. So, the internet started many years ago, but there's never been an online business community for racers on the World Wide Web. The need for EPAR trade is actually quite obvious. Basically, people in the business of auto racing need a place online to hang out and get their problems solved. It's extremely simple for a buyer or for a supplier to interact on the platform. The first thing you need to do is sign in, which is free, and the second thing is when you see a product that you're interested in, all you need to do is click on request more information. If it's a company, you click on request more information and then from there it is forwarded directly to the buyer or to the supplier. You can go to epartrade.com, you become part of a community of businesses in racing and it makes uh, sourcing products much easier than just on the internet or using Google. At ePartrade there is no e-commerce, it's literally a connection just like at a trade show. So now, any time of the year, a buyer could reach out to a supplier through an email. More than that, it's a place to go just to keep current every day. So it's a good place to start your work day in your racing business or in your offices of your professional race team. And you know you're current when it comes to new technology, industry news, technical papers, technical videos, all of that and more. We're not looking for a million hits per day. All we want is people who are really the volume buyers of racing products in the racing industry to be part of the little world of e trade. We have racing businesses participating from around the world. So you get suppliers from around the world, you get buyers from around the world. e trade really eliminates having to travel, closing down your shop. Now you have a place to showcase globally your racing product and technology.
0: There are two types of people, racers and everyone else. Racer Magazine is for those who believe that racing is a way of life. Racer embodies the excellence that defines a sport driven by passion, courage, and ingenuity. Get one year of both Racer's print and digital edition for only $39 with instant access to our entire digital issue archive. Subscribe now at info.racer.com.